0: It is Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, not Trevor Ploof. It is Jolly Olive getting an A-B today. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. Jolly, my goodness, thank you for saving the day yet again. You're going to be doing that twice this week, today for Ploof and then Friday for me. Thank you.
1: You guys might have to start adding me to like the branding of the I show. Agree. I think, I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pulling my weight, but now it's like... I'm getting starts over, you know, established players at this point. And, you know, the well, bench player
0: really pops off. Forget about bench. There is no bench at John Boy Media. Everybody <laughs> plays a significant role. You've been crushing it all year, and we're just honored that you grace us with your presence today. So we start, of course, as always, with a little tip of the cap. And we talked earlier in the week about the little leaguers, but I want to focus on one: Stella Weaver of Nolensville Little League in Tennessee. Been getting it done, and she has as well. She got her third hit in Williamsport. That is a United States record for a girl in a single Little League World Series. She's also a stud on the mound, tops out close to 70. Shohei is her favorite player. We certainly understand why. I love the Little League World Series. Uh, She is the only girl involved this year, but I just think it's a tremendous story, and the kid can ball.
1: No, absolutely. And uh we had it on in the office yesterday actually in the lounge and uh, Jimmy and Lorenzo were watching it. And I I don't know a ton about the Little League World Series, so I was kind of picking their brain. Mm. And uh I found out that they they bat 11 batters. Yes. Every team does. So the likelihood of this kind of thing happening was even less so this year, making it all the more impressive. So good for her. Uh whole nation watching and she's balling out. That's awesome.
0: I love it. Uh I I don't have daughters. I don't, you know, I don't think you have to have daughters to appreciate the significance of her doing so well, just like Monet Davis did about a decade ago. And now Monet is an intern in the Dodgers system. Um, So I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I've always loved the Little League World Series. And if there's an extra story or two that kind of piques your interest, um, I think it's great. And that's why she gets a tip of the cap. Keep keep rolling, Tennessee. We start off with my Cleveland Guardians today who Mm. handed the Dodgers just their third loss in the month of August. But all the talk was about Terry Francona and his pregame comments Tuesday.
1: Yeah, I, I've talked to Chris and Cherney at length about the future and everything, and because I don't want to put them in a any remotely kind of a predicament, I felt my whole career, the players always have to come first. My situation would always take care of itself. I think to deviate from that now is wrong. And there will be a time to answer any question there might be about what I'm going to do or not do. I don't think that's now because I don't ever want this. It can't be on me. The other part is I don't want to lie. We've all seen coaches that are, I'm probably talking about college coaches, but you know, they're going somewhere and somebody asks them a question point blank and they go, no. And then an hour later, they got a six year deal. I I, I don't want to ever be like that. We're, We're getting there. And there's just a time, I think, to do
0: it appropriately. How worried should I be that this is it for Tito?
1: Well, first off, I think Tito is, gives a great interview. He's a, he's a really it's eloquent unreal. manager to listen to. I think he's very well spoken. Um, but I'd, I'd be lying if I said that that wasn't concerning. If I'm putting myself in the shoes of a Guardians fan, that sounded like a lot a lot of reflection on a lot of time spent in a, in a great baseball city. And they are mired in in one of their tougher seasons ever. The crazy part is that the Guardians, they're only five back. Like, the oh. season's not over. I mean, they can get hot, but uh, I think their their deadline kind of signals sort of a, a beige flag or a white flag, if you will, because I, I, I just don't think they believed in this roster enough. And now they lose, you know, Josh Naylor for however long, who's been arguably their best hitter aside from J-Ram. It's tough, man. I mean, they got a big win last night, a win that they needed. And uh, the Twins haven't put that distance, but for Terry Francona to leave, you know, that's a huge part of this team's entire identity. They were so likable last year because he was the veteran manager leading a bunch of kids to unforeseen heights, a a newer ceiling they didn't know that they had. And for it to change so drastically less than a year later is, is really staggering. I mean, he's the longest tenured active manager on any team right now which is crazy, but it could be coming to an end this offseason.
0: I think, unfortunately, it is. I think this is it. Um, To be honest with you, I'm thankful and pleasantly surprised that it has been this long because I thought that, you know, last year he made it through healthy. This year, thankfully, he's made it through healthy. But the two seasons before that, he did not complete. Right. He couldn't get through them. Um, Sandy Alomar Jr. had to finish things up for him because he – physically could not make it through. And I thought that that was going to be it for him, but he loves the organization so much. And the two guys he's talking about and Chris and Cherney are Chris Antonetti. Who's the outstanding president of this organization, Mike Chernoff, who's been the GM who's turned down several opportunities to go back home, back East in order to stay in Cleveland. And Terry has made no bones about it. He said, I probably wouldn't have come here if it hadn't been for those guys. And he certainly wouldn't have stayed it this long if it hadn't been for those guys that has been interesting this year, Jolly. You probably haven't spent a lot of time on Cleveland Guardians social media. Um, Tito has taken a lot of shots from the fan yeah,
1: fans. Yeah, I've seen that for sure.
0: Everything from why is Ahmed Rosario hitting second every day and playing shortstop to what sort of bullpen moves are you doing to why do you play this guy, and I think it's time for him to go. You always better be careful what you wish for because I that mean, day is coming yeah. soon, dude.
1: It's a scary future without somebody like Francona leading the charge up front. I mean, this I just just looked into, and it it seems obvious, but it shocked me. He's been a manager for the Guardians longer than he ever was for the Red Sox, and I still think of him with that Boston cap on. Maybe it's just a, a nostalgia thing, but he's been here since 2013. Leading these teams, he's seen all different kinds of players come and go through this franchise, and I do think if there is an opening for the Cleveland Guardians managerial job, that's that's a lucrative position. This is a team that competes pretty much year in and year out, and kind of is the name in the AL Central in my mind. But for them to try and do it without Terry Francona is a scary thing because there were a lot of managers that came and went before Francona really came in and stabilized that position for him. But uh, his tone did not sound promising in my honest opinion.
0: It's going to be terrifying. It, 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 I mean, that's what it's going to be for Cleveland fans, if you know anything about it. Um, he's had one losing season in Cleveland. That's when they went eighty and eighty-two. So barely a losing season. Barely. They've made the playoffs six times in his ten years. In the previous ten years before that, they had eight losing seasons and one single playoff appearance. Yeah. So I'm not saying that once Terry Franco walks out that door that we're going to resort back to that. But I'll tell you this, if you're going to be picking on lineup creation and bullpen moves just because every fan base can't stand what their manager does with those sort of situations, you're going to be hurting. Terry Francona, if he leaves, his next stop should be Cooperstown. I don't want to wait three years or whatever the hell it takes. He should be on the ballot next year, and he should be in. I've made the argument that guys like Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy and Terry Francona should be in right now
1: while they're managing. And I mean, if Francona leaves, you better believe that a lot of teams are going to be picking up the phone on that because old managers are yeah. in right now. Dusty Baker is in, you know, Buck, Buck Showalter, Bruce Bochy coming back out of retirement. Teams are going to want this guy at the helm. And I I feel like the Guardians organization should realize that and protect him as much as possible unless it's his wish to leave and not go anywhere else.
0: Maybe we should just call uh, Jim Leland and lure him back with three packs of Joe Cool camels.
1: I mean... The, the Tigers did that one in the early 2000s, and that was considered, oh, he's coming out of retirement. Now imagine that. <laughs> how, how old is Jim Leland now?
0: He's got to be, I'm going to guess Jimmy's probably 75.
1: Oh, you're so close. 78
0: years old. 78.
1: So he, he'd be one of the younger ones.
0: Yep. <laughs> All right, right, let's. Uh, we talked about my team. Let's talk about yours. Ken oh, Rosenthal, boy. The Athletic, reported that your Mets were so close to trading Pete Alonzo to Milwaukee before the deadline. And while a Brewers source said they got so far down the road, it was almost in field goal territory. A New York source said no, it didn't quite get that far. Now, keep in mind, Pete Alonso, a free agent to be after the 24 season, uh, right after their game last night in Atlanta, somebody asked him about the report. I mean, it, it's it's been phenomenal here so far. So, I I mean, I don't I don't know what the future holds, but um, but right now, like I'm a Met, and I, I love being a Met. It's it's and I, I take pride in. Uh, putting on the jersey every day and representing the city of New York. Will Pete Alonso be the starting first baseman for the New York Mets opening day, 2024?
1: God, I hope so. I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna indulge and I'm gonna put on my tinfoil hat for a, a, a second here. I hope that, I hope that's okay because you know this is my go. You know, but it's very, very obvious that the Mets have been making plays at David Stearns ever since Steve Cohen took over. And I'm sure that the Brewers organization does not appreciate that whatsoever because David Stearns has completely revitalized what that franchise is capable of. They're a winning team every year. They're making the playoffs more than they ever have. And that's mostly because of his construction in that organization. For this to get out, I would assume 90% sure that it came from the Brewers' side and maybe they're doing it to paint the Mets in, in a negative light and, you know, maybe deter Stearns from entertaining such an offer. That's a lot of hoops to jump through, but the point stands the Mets trading Pete Alonso would be a massive mistake. He is on pace to shatter, not just break shatter every offensive record in our team's franchise history. And for you to be scared of whatever number he's going to get when he hits free agency at the end of next season and weigh his defense and all this, you cannot find a 50 homer bat that easily. Pete Alonso is a special, special power bat. Now, he doesn't have that leading a team into the postseason experience like you can compare to other great hitters of the game right now. But the point stands, the Mets lose a giant, piece of their identity and a giant piece of their overall output on the offensive side. If they let Pete Alonso walk and think that they can construct uh, a better lineup without him, because I, I don't see that path at all.
0: Okay. You didn't answer the question. <laughs> Do you I think, think... he's going to
1: be there. I think he's going to be there. <laughs> I should have led with that, I guess.
0: No, it was good though. I, I love what you said. Um, you have your heart on your sleeve here. Can you I, I, you know, I remember when we did the draft, when we were all together at the All-Star Game in Seattle. And I think, was it Plouffe that had him going to Minnesota or something like that? Had
1: a, Ploof, no, Jake had him going to Minnesota. Jake had that. him
0: going to Minnesota. Yeah. And it didn't sound totally ridiculous. No, like, I thought it that if really the didn't. Mets were going to sell, right, I thought if you guys were going to clear house, that he would be a guy that could actually bring something significant back. Because he can be a playoff-changing bat.
1: No, um, I mean, it makes sense perfect sense because yeah. the whole goal was to completely revitalize the farm system which i think they did a good job of very but good job, you can yeah. get a top 10 prospect to drop on top of everything you've mm-hmm. already built that's very very enticing but so is the prospect of keeping pete alonzo a met for however long maybe his entire career
0: well he, and that's the thing jolly is that there has always been a new york premium guys who can yeah. handle the city handle the media he does it flawlessly He does it in kind of a almost a country bumpkin sort of way, but it plays up there. I really, I I think it does. And And
1: the improvement too, it really shows. Because I don't think he was ever this graceful with the media during, like, you know, his rookie season, he he came up and ascended really quickly. He was a kid. Exactly. And I think there's been so much maturing with Pete Alonzo as well and the way that he handles really tough. I mean, that same night that he got asked about the trade, Bryce Elder threw at him and got hit by a pitch, and Braves fans cheered. And he had to entertain those questions as well. That's a tough post game presser after a one run loss to your rival.
0: And he handled that one great as well. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, he totally diffused the situation. He goes, I understand it. I understand why, you know, booze, cheers happen. Like, I get it. You yep. know, they're great. It's a great atmosphere in it, here in Atlanta every time I play here. Could have gone a different direction. He didn't. Totally. So what I'm saying is, is that when you, are a New York team and you find a guy that can not only be productive, but can handle the situation. How many guys have we seen have been elite players go up there and crumble, crumble. Yeah. So I do think that he ends up sticking. I think that the new leadership in charge there, because I do think there will be some new leadership. will say, Hey, we've got to hang on to Pete Alonso." You know, with his next Homer, he will tie the Mets record for most 40 home run seasons. This will be his third and essentially, yeah. he's only had four seasons, right? The COVID year, he wasn't going to hit 40 homers in 60 games. So he's basically only had four tries at it, and he's going to do it three times. Like yeah. that.
1: and he, I believe he's third or fourth on the list for most home runs through for uh, players' first five seasons of their career up there. Is like Ralph Kiner, Ryan Howard. And yeah, the 2020 season basically took away 30, 20, 30 of those home runs. So it's that more impressive.
0: And let me finish you with this. He's basically a four-win player every year. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's not Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman type first base level. But it's still pretty good when you're talking about not being able to accumulate anything defensively, and particularly with him. He's not a great defender. Right. So you're talking about a guy who just swings a stick and puts the ball in the seats, getting being a four-win player. I'll take that. I don't know what that means for free agency, what number that is. We'll have time to discuss that in the offseason. Uh, you know, he's going to make up 21, 22 million next year in his last season of arbitration. Yep. But I think he's good for the Mets. I I'm happy you still want him. And I, I agree with you. I still think he's there. Uh, build t- around. Today's episode of baseball today is sponsored by seat geek. If you have no idea what seat geek is welcome to life from under a rock. Mm. You download it on this thing. It's a great ticketing app. It makes buying tickets super simple. More than 28 million downloads has made SeatGeek the number one rated ticketing app around. Did you know there are more than 70,000 events every single day available for purchase on SeatGeek? So that includes not only sporting events, but concerts. Hey, Tay-Tay, what's up, girl? Festivals and oh so much more. They always want to make sure that you're getting a good deal. So when you're on the app, it's going to be color-coded. The seats will either be green, which means you are getting a great deal. Are they the best seats in the house? Maybe they're not on the floor, but what you're doing is you're getting value for your money spent. If there's a red dot, that means just like this, just like a good third base coach, hold. Be careful. We're warning you. The seats might look great, but you might be overpaying for it. Also, every ticket is backed by the buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return the tickets ahead of the event with swaps for future dates. Also, we got the hookup. Use the code word today for 20 bucks off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That is $20 off your first purchase with the promo code today. So click on the link in the description, download your app. We will see you at a concert or at a sporting event near you. Nicely done. Meantime, we move on to the fiasco that has become the Chicago White Sox this season. About an hour before yesterday's game, yet another loss to the Seattle Mariners, those hard-charging Mariners. The White Sox dismissed executive VP Ken Williams and GM Rick Hahn. You more surprised it happened with six weeks to go in the season or what took you so long?
1: I am 1000% on the other side of that question. What took this organization? So, I mean, we know what took it so long. It was Jerry Reinstorf, not right now. I mean, to cut ties with his mistakes. These are two guys that, you know, I I can't speak on a character. I've never met them. I'm not going to say anything like that. I'm going to speak on results. And the fact that these two gentlemen held their jobs for so long, with so many years of futility and mediocrity, I tweeted this uh, on August 7th, so a, a couple weeks ago. Rick Hahn has had the general manager job in the White Sox organization since 2013. He had a winning percentage of 4.57, so well under 500. He had one division title in 10 years, two winning seasons, one of them was 2020, so one winning full season, one playoff berth outside of 2020, no playoff series wins and six consecutive seasons finishing in fourth or fifth. Any of those things could have been grounds to fire him five years ago and get some sort of change at the top of this organization in terms of the voice and the direction that they're headed. in. And now it looks like this team is completely rudderless. I mean, they just committed a ton of money to Andrew Benintendi. They already committed a ton of money to Yasmani Grandal and it looks like they're blowing up the entire thing not to mention the face of the franchise, Jose Abreu, left in free agency. It's just this is as dark of a time as I can recall for this team. You know, two years removed from dominating the American League Central to sewing it up halfway through the season and saying, "Okay, we got it, we can cruise for the rest of the year. I don't know how this happened so quickly, uh, but change is necessary. So I'm glad they at least took the step in that direction to get someone else in a position uh, of power.
0: I'm shocked that it happened at all, because to me, being a White Sox executive is kind of like being a tenured professor.
1: It's the best like, job security in the world.
0: I thought you could hang out of that gig forever. Jeez. And Jerry, we're like, I don't know what the tipping point was for 87 year old Jerry Reinsdorf. I mean, why is it that he woke up one day last week and said, yep, this is this is it, guys. I've given you enough chances. This Putting my is my foot it. down. Yep. And. It has been wild because it has been a shit show for the last three years. Like ever since they got rid of Rick Renteria where we're like, okay, shortened season, but he wanted somebody else. And then he goes and gets Tony La Russa. And they were like, Oh my God, they're going to have to wake up the guy during ball games. And they ended up winning the division Yeah, and they lost in four games to Houston. But we looked at that team and we went, okay, we all made jokes about La Russa's age and him coming back. And can he click with today's players? Well, They won 90-plus games, and this is the team to beat in this division for a while. And then last year, they cratered. It was horrible. They've just been horrible. So do you know – give me a guess. How many playoff games – not series. How many playoff games have the White Sox won since winning it all in 2005?
1: Playoff games?
0: How many games?
1: All right, without looking because I don't want to cheat. I, I believe there are only, they're only two berths since winning the World Series were 2020 and 2021. And I don't think they won a game in 2020. So I think it's one. I think it's one playoff win.
0: So I think there might have been another one in like 08 or something like that. They have three playoff wins.
1: It's almost three. 20 years. That's almost 20 years and three playoff wins. That's crazy.
0: So... But here's the good news, White Sox fans. It sounds like they're going to promote Chris Getz, who's been going internally. And, and, you know, Bob Nightingale in between sips also (laughs) said that Dayton Moore will probably be joining Chris Getz. Dayton Moore did help Kansas City win it all, but th- that organization is turning a new shit show right now.
1: And they they pushed him out after years of mediocrity, even despite it's the same thing. I mean, the White Sox won it all in 05, and those two rode that for a while.
0: Yeah. A you long what we, time. What we need is that guy who went on that seven minute rant on Chicago <laughs> radio to come back today. Because not only might they be promoting somebody from within, which to me is totally ridiculous. I'm talking. To, I understand Jerry Reinsdorf wanting to be loyal to people and I do appreciate loyalty, but sure. man, when shit hasn't been working for two decades now, almost you've got to get fresh sets of eyes. And maybe they're saying that Dayton Moore's that fresh set of eyes, but I don't know. I don't know, dude. I, I look at that Kansas city organization. They don't have anything coming up right now. You know, they had Vinny come up, they had Bobby Witt come up, but they haven't developed the pitcher in forever. So I don't know if that's the organization you want to model yourself after right now.
1: I mean, I definitely agree with you. And also that that's where they got their new manager where all these things, he was the bench coach of the Royals for 10 years. Like I'm not passing judgment because the Royals got the better of my team, you know, however many years ago, but why is this the organization you're going to, to plug all your holes? It's very bizarre.
0: Very bizarre. It makes zero sense whatsoever. They say, you know, Nightingale reported that Pedro Guerrero is safe, at least for now, for the 2024 season. He's got two more <laughs> years left on his contract. I wouldn't be unpacking anytime soon if I were him. I just – it's a mess. It's a shit show. It's an embarrassment. Eloy Jimenez last night was asked if those guys – the guys in the clubhouse now talk about trying to get leadership going and stuff like that, and he was like, no, not really. like he it's going – It is, it's horrible on every level, every level of this. There's not, (laughs) I listened to their post game show last night, which I do occasionally because it's actually very entertaining. It's one of the few where they're truth tellers on that. Chuck Garfine, there's no stakes. Scott Pudstednik. They all tell the truth there. You know, they don't hide behind anything. They talk about how embarrassing everything has been. So I found it interesting. Although Ozzy said he was shocked. He was shocked that those guys were like, I'm like, Oz, really? They
1: might bring Ozzy back, honestly. Oh, them, them, they hey might now. just bring him back. <laughs>
0: hey, now. A uh, quick one on Mike Trout. Uh, he returned. Uh, Reds do beat the Angels yesterday in his uh, non-triumphant return and first appearance since July 3rd when he broke his ham eight bone on a swing. Um, He says, I don't even want to talk about the Shohei stuff because I still believe that we have the ability to bring him back in the offseason. But wow. do you think – there's ever going to be a day where Mike Trout says, I think I want out. Trade me now.
1: I think that ship has sailed, Rosie. I think he had, he had a shot to get out and he didn't take it. And he uh, got comfortable. And I mean, you know, like some players, they like to go in there and they, they, they do their work and they're great at it. And Mike Trout might be that guy. Maybe he doesn't have, you know, some of the aspirations that other players have. I can't speak on that. Um, but to say that the Angels still have a shot to bring Shohei back after what has turned into the most disappointing story of this entire season. I mean, we've talked a lot about a lot of disappointing things in this episode alone. This is still taking the cake, going completely all in at the deadline and performing worse than you have all season long. For Shohei to come back, I fully believe it would take a miracle because what what is the future of this team now? The future was... Not great to begin with, and then it was completely dismantled to try and make a run this season. And now they're four games under 500, and they're ten games back of the third wild card spot. It's done. It's over. The uh-huh. season is over. And I mean, they got hit with some tough luck injuries with Ohapi and Trout, who came back last night. They're both back now, but it's too little, too late, man. I I, I think Mike Trout. I don't see him leaving anytime soon. He might be an angel for life, but even if that sticks. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel for this team.
0: I wonder if he goes into the office of whomever is in the leadership role moving, you know, moving forward. I don't know if that's Perry Manassian. I don't know if Artie Moreno's the owner. I don't know who it is. So let's look at some basic things. He had another injury plague season. Now, granted, this was a freak accident. It happened on a swing. For sure. Um, he still has 260 million dollars owed to him. He's getting 37 million a year over the next seven years, and he's now in his early 30s. I don't know.
1: If you want to rebuild your farm system, you can eat a lot of money and give somebody a big trout. I mean, that's a really good way to start, you know, sewing up some mistakes that you made. Do
0: you think that he wants to – let's say Shohei leaves this offseason. Do you think that that's the last straw for him that he – because he understands how talented, the, I'm sure. The day he saw Shohei in 2018, he was probably like, "Holy shit, we're gonna we're gonna get back in the playoffs." And if they make it the entire six seasons with Shohei here and not sniffing the playoffs, do you think that that's the tipping point for him?
1: I mean, if that's not, nothing will ever be. I don't. I I still don't think he's the type of player that would go into an office and demand a trade because I just, it's just not the character okay. of Mike Trout that we've come to know.
0: But so let me ask you this. Would you look at him differently if he doesn't go in and ask for a trade or if he does?
1: Oh, I would look at him differently if he did, because I fully expect him not to, because I think he's going to ride out this deal. And also, this deal is so massive that it's going to be a really difficult trade to even orchestrate in the first place. Um, but I would not blame him at all if he did request a trade. I'm not I'm not saying that. I would say I would say that I would be definitely surprised. But if the Angels went that route and they, they called this season a wash and shohei walks or whatever, that's a great way to start rebuilding because that's that has to be the plan. I mean, they've made so many peculiar decisions between drafting only pitchers last year and then trading, you know, half the guys they drafted last year this year and buying in on a roster that's performing worse than the roster they had in the first place. It's just There's no there's no direction. We've talked a lot about direction this Baseball Today episode, and this team is it's a ship without a sail.
0: I don't think he asks, but I would love to see him ask.
1: He might want to see him in the playoffs. I just crazy.
0: I just don't trust this organization, man. I've I've had it. I've had it. I've given you everything I can give for a fan that is not that didn't grow up an Angels fan. I've tried. Mike Trout to the Orioles. In the meantime, the Yankees have dropped nine in a row for the first time since 1982. 1982. Holy smokes, it's been 41 years. I was 11 last time this happened. So do we have anything fun planned here?
1: (laughs) I mean, Rosie, the last time the Yankees lost nine games in a row, you were getting your first kiss ever in your life right is that, no, that was is that left. too optimistic too soon
0: uh i went to an all boys school i was uh, i was a little later down the road uh it took me a while to get going let's just say i finished very strong but it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, i think you're
1: doing there. you're doing all right now yeah, yes. you know, i will say i'm going to give credit to the john boy media office because oh. I, I i do firmly believe that in spite of probably the worst season that many of these people have ever seen uh, and their time watching the Yankees religiously, I think a lot of them are handling it well. They understand the circumstance. They can laugh at it because it is completely ridiculous what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, I think I think there's a lot of good grace in the office right now. Some people are taking it a little tougher, but I think they're they're really banding together and they're uh, they've got some camaraderie nice. going.
0: Very nice. Yeah. Um, do you even know who was in the World Series in 1982?
1: You know, if you ask me, 84, 86, 87, I might be able to say it. 1982. Yeah. Well, it's not the Yankees.
0: Definitely was not the Yankees.
1: It was not the Yankees. Oh, my God. I, I'm kind of embarrassed that I don't know this.
0: Well, wait a second. How old are you? 24? 24. What year were you born? 99, 99. Yeah, 99. <laughs> yeah, so. Oakland I mean, A's. A's. No. Damn. It was the St. Louis Cardinals beating the Milwaukee Brewers. Would have never games. got the
1: Brewer side of that. Never.
0: I think that Paul Molitor at the time set a record for most hits in a World Series. What a stud. That was. Yeah, that was a uh, that was quite a season. Yeah, Bruce Sutter finished it up on the mound. Uh, Milwaukee. That was like one of the first times I think I remember their whole lineup: uh, Cecil Cooper, Cecil Cooper at first, Jimmy Gantner at second, Yount at short, Molitor at third, uh, Ted Simmons behind the plate yes um ben Oglavy in the left um larry heisel huh big one in center uh gorman thomas yes um larry heisel was their dh and who was their right fielder
1: who was their right fielder you want it yeah charlie moore
0: charlie moore we
1: love Charlie Moore. Okay. Come on. The rest was pretty good though. I was really good. I was, I'm very impressed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The brewers, they were fun. Harvey's wall bangers. That's what they were called. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. Well, by the way, we're not going to be doing it. If the Yankees lose and have their first 10 game losing streak since 1913, I will not oh, be my. reciting anything about the
1: 1913. Yeah, 19, There's legacy on 13? the line tonight. My goodness.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, Jolly, as always, we appreciate it. You'll be back on Friday show filling in for me. You and Ploof will go do a little damage on that day. In the meantime, Ploof is back on Thursday. Uh, for those of you that like to join us live on AMP, check our social media. I'm still not sure exactly what time, but probably looking at about 11 a.m. Eastern. We'll see. We'll see. We'll so see. for our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the uber-talented, and I don't say that lightly, Jolly Olive, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Thursday on Baseball Today.